grain. Fuck off, scumbag. Final Cut Pro. There's a whole group of guys who pretend to be making special films. You want my personality? Give me bracket. Very creative what you do. Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson. I did M. Night Shyamalan. Podcast. Josh Sapp. Best finger. This is how I work. As a filmmaker, he is nothing. A zero. He's a big piece of shit. I love the fucking Ion Power. This is a film. As a filmmaker, he is nothing. A zero. He's a, a pig piece of shit. Spike Jones sucks bad. Should we go to the screening of it? Maybe. Wow, we're about to admit Ben Ditto into the pod. Let's get this king in here. King. There, there he, he is. is. There he is. Hi, guys. Yo. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello, governor. <laughs> How are you doing? Um, what's up, man? We're, uh, whoa, what is this? Um, yeah, where are you right now? I'm in a hotel in Switzerland in the mountains. Um, yeah, it's nice. It's beautiful. It looks far. <laughs> New this horrors. Is, yeah, old this things. is room. It looks like a spaceship. Damn. This yeah, is, well. this is the life we need to get on. What, what he's in right now. <laughs> yeah, is this I'm like? I'm not gonna lie, it's a good life. <laughs> yeah. What? Why? Why the move to Switzerland? You got out of like the France shutdown. Yeah. So I was, um, I was in Paris, um, just living there for a while, and then it got locked down. So I just thought, what's literally, what's the fucking point of being here? And I used to live in Switzerland a long time ago, so I just thought, fuck it, I'll go there. Um, so yeah, I mean this, you know, this I've got this film coming out tomorrow, so I just thought I'll treat myself to a few days in the spa in the mountains. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I might go and live in Serbia after that because I haven't been. Well, but, but, neither. Yeah. So no return to London? Uh not while it's on lockdown because it's just fucking boring. I, I mean, like I'm sure you know the feeling, but like yeah. My, yeah. I'm just bored. And I can't really do my job if I'm just in my living room doing the same, playing PlayStation and doing the same shit every day. It's not inspiring. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You got to be in a spa in the mountains. Mm. Exactly. Everyone does. We we go to we go to a 24 hour spa in Koreatown called Juvenix when we need to I, rejuvenate. Yeah, I've heard. Of, is it amazing? It's. It's. It's, um, it's honestly not great. Yeah, it's honestly not great. It's but it's the only one that's 24 hours. <laughs> That's <laughs> pretty expensive. Yeah. <laughs> Some now sometimes it hits the spot, but sometimes they let it go. They put they put lemons in the hot tub, which um that's disgusting. That's yeah, the, that's it's actually like it starts to fuck your skin up after like <laughs> twenty minutes. Disgusting. <laughs> oh, there you are. What's up? Yo. <laughs> um, but it's, it's us. I don't know. There's but there's also King Spa in New Jersey, but I've never been. But I I want to go because I feel like uh, I'm gonna keep it on, uh, because New Jersey is the best state in the U.S. of A. I've only been to the airport and it was horrible. <laughs> yeah, what's your um, what's your like New York experience? So I hadn't been. I was not allowed into your country for a very long time, for like 19 years, and what I happened? just. I was a I was a badly behaved young person, very badly behaved young person. So, um, so I had to go through a whole. I've got a visa now, but it took me like 
two years to get it. And now <clears throat> I hadn't been to New York until then. And now I go quite often for work and to see people. I, I don't know. I like it. It's, it smells. I mean, it's fucking dirty. And sometimes I walk around bits of it. I'm like, just fucking clean the place. It's disgusting. Um, but I have lots of friends there and there's lots of, I guess there's lots of nice. It's not that different to London, really. It's yeah. Not, that, yeah. yeah I remember similar. like first time I went to London thinking I was going to get this like culture shock. And I was like, that's kind of the same shit. Same shit. Yeah, it's, it's not, especially now with, you know, globalization, guys. You know, it's, All it's, cities are the same. <laughs> Globalists. So tell us about your uh, your movie, which I believe is screening in about an hour and a half over here. So it's, um, do, you want the whole, do you want the whole lowdown on the whole project? Yeah, yeah, give yeah. us the, the, the whole spiel. About the project. So um, Alex from No Agency, uh, he does this every season. They ask a different creative person to do a collaboration with them. And they did Theo Adams last time, and I saw it and really liked it. And then he approached my agent and said, could Ben do something? And we just, I just spoke to my agent for like five minutes about it. And I already liked No Agency, and I just had this idea straight away of like, oh, we should do a film about auditions because, um, I don't know, I'm just interested. It's, you know, like whenever you make anything at the moment, you're, like, I know we're in, it's COVID, obviously. So I think any idea it's it's weird if it doesn't reflect that in some way so the fact that it's all about auditions was to initially to enable it to be self tapes or people in studios whatever was happening legally um <clears throat> and also i just wanted to make a film like i've been directing music videos for a while and directing cgi stuff and i just wanted to make a short film and i thought this would be a cool idea and then we developed this kind of um meta narrative about um people auditioning for something and it's revealed through, like, you work out that the audition, the, the audition tapes are the narrative and in the end something's revealed. And I had the idea of it being sort of avatars or cyborgs. And then Dasha and Maddie wrote a script. And we, I, I mean, it's been like really collaborative and Alex has been really involved and Taylor. And we just built this whole story about, um, I won't give too much away because it'd be nice for yeah. you to, to be pleasantly surprised by the film. But it's, um, I. I really love that whole Brett Easton Ellis glamorama kind of layers of superficiality and layers of meaning. So stuff that's really fucking superficial, like, you know, obviously like a lot of my job is and a lot of the personas that we construct and then other stuff that's very, very significant and important all kind of operating at the same time and nobody really knowing or caring what's real and what isn't real and all of this stuff. So that's really what the film's about. Is Big shouts to Alex Abellis, Dasha Nekosova, Madeline Quinn, Brady's and Ellis. Yep. Who who declined to be involved with this film, sadly. Oh, did you oh, hit damn. you hit up Brett? Actually, no, he didn't decline. He just didn't answer Alex's email, which is sad, Brett. He, he just followed us. That was it was like the biggest moment. Yeah, he's listening. So uh <laughs> Brett, Brett give I, Ben Ditto a call. Actually, Brett, Brett can, you, can you just watch the film because um <laughs> you're you're a great inspiration and I love you very much. Thank he's you the, he's the shit. Yeah. Um well there you go. That that's what we do. We uh, put creatives in touch so I'm glad to be of service we have hopped on the call so when <laughs> when can people see this film and how do they watch it the film is premiering on Dazed tomorrow evening I guess UK time we wanted it to come out before the US election yeah um, because it's about Christy days you know yeah. fake and stuff like that so um, and also your country might be literally in flames in two days we don't know so I know yeah I was thinking about that 
yeah. I mean, sorry, more in flames. In. <laughs> so we thought we'd get it out there before that happened. Um, so yeah, you can see it on Dazed, or it's going to be up on the on YouTube on Alex's on the No Agency uh, channel. So yeah, it's free to watch. You can enjoy it. Sick. And what what is I'm I was I'm curious about these the the production of these videos and and sort of what they're for. Like I talked to Alex a little bit about why like what the impetus to even make these films for the agency are but how did he present that to you well i mean i guess that the whole reason for the project is to showcase what they do so that's you know that is the point of it um but then doing that in the most interesting way possible and i guess we've come up with a way of doing that so all of the cut downs are you know they're showing off the talent really and then we've got some stills coming out as well which which we've taken from the film but i guess we found a way of doing it so that it felt it felt like it had integrity, like it's not, um, there's nothing in there that I didn't want to make. Do you know what I mean? And we've yeah. sort of, we've woven the talent into the narrative in a way that like, <clears throat> like some of them aren't professional actors and it doesn't matter because that's the whole point. The whole point is that they're people from an agency in New York coming to a mysterious casting and some of them don't know why they're there or why they can act. So it works really well. Like the cut downs, even, even if they're like, um, even if they're fluffing their lines or whatever, it looks perfect because that's that's part of the story. Right. And I think I think they look cool as well. Like we had a really good hair and makeup team and stylist, and that's my background, you know. So I like to I like to inject some of that into it as well. Um. Uh. Oh yeah, you were saying so right before this, you were doing music videos. Um. This, how does this feel different? Um, it was, well, to be totally honest, music videos, I always, let me tell you, I always wanted to be a film director since I was a little child. That was my dream. And then I got sidetracked by publishing, which I also love. And, um, then I got into directing music videos through directing CGI pieces for Days Beauty, which I started with, with some people and music videos felt because they're mostly CGI that I was working on. It's a much, much more controlled thing. So like all of the scripts and all of the, everything I was like, like <clears throat> you can spend like three weeks fiddling around with how somebody walks into a room. Um, and this felt like working with some professional actors and some, you know, models and whoever with a proper script and a proper film crew felt, it just felt really, really like, it felt great to be honest. Like I'd love to make some, I'm, I've got some, you'd be surprised to hear that I've got some ideas for feature films up my sleeve. Yeah, that was my next question. Yeah. Um, is that, you think that's the next move? Yeah, definitely. I've got I've got two or three that the world would love to see for sure, and any investors listening to this would love to fund. Um, <laughs> we've, got, we've got a lot of those. That's most of our <laughs> most of your audience. Yeah. <laughs> People with a huge amount of money, desperate to spend it on um, like edgy niche ideas, which almost definitely won't make a profit. <laughs> but we'll have a lot of cultural integrity. Yeah, I don't know. So what's um your CGI stuff? Is that like, is that something you'd want to incorporate into a kind of a narrative vibe? Or is that kind of just separate? Well, <clears throat> so one of the music videos I did for the 1975 was entirely CGI and very narrative driven. It had like the similarity between that and this is that they both created, we created these worlds for both of them. So with this film, we created a casting agency called Spectacular Reality. And with the 1975 birthday party, we created a digital detox called Mind Shower. 
Mm-hmm. And both, I really like that approach of kind of making a world for these things to live in and people not knowing what's real and what isn't. So that's that level of CGI. It started off as kind of beauty editorials, like scanning Kate Moss and Travis Scott and then making them move in these fantasy worlds. But it wasn't like it wasn't filmmaking, really. It was more like fashion editorial that moves. Right, um, right. And like, I, I have to say, like with this, we work with this really cool special effects artist, Izzy. And it was so nice to just use almost zero CGI. Like I made one overlay for a screen, but everything else is just makeup and latex and special effects. And that was cool. Like I really like that because I grew up with that stuff, like with 80s horror films. Was the experience of making something like the birthday party similar to making this film as, you know, just in terms of like doing everything remotely and, you know, through Zoom and email and... No, not really. The birthday party was before COVID, so it was done. I've got a studio in London, so I've got like <clears throat> a load of computer workstations and people who I work with, and it was all like it. It was very much all together in a room, pretty much. And we did a lot of motion capture with the band on like at their recording studio, so that felt way more kind of. I mean, literally directing this, they had me on a tripod, like with the phone pointed at the camera and stuff. I've got it's. It was. I mean. It wasn't as bad as it sounds, really. It was quite... Yeah, it's kind of like a new way to, I don't know, figure out how to do it. Like, presents its own kind of challenges and gives you new ideas. Yeah, I guess it's a new... I don't know, like, after all of this shit blows over, I don't know if people are going to still do that, but it definitely sharpens the mind, and it means that... like, I guess if I had been there, I probably would have been a lot more stressed about it, but because I could only see what people were showing me, and I could that I could be really specific about like the styling that we just had a WhatsApp for styling a WhatsApp for hair and makeup, and they pointed me at the monitor and and I could just see what was going on. It felt way way more. I guess like if because I'm often on sort of photo shoot sets and I'll get like stressed about fucking everything, like every bit of the set that isn't right and every you know all of it. But with this, I had to trust the crew a lot more. Like the DOP is amazing and all the lighting was great. And we had to just, you know, just trust them to do it, which I don't normally do. I'm a massive control freak. So I think that was was a good lesson. Like, you don't have to see absolutely everything all the time for it to be good. Right. I think, I do think people are probably going to, like, I don't think it's just going to switch back to the old ways of doing things. There's definitely, I think people are now going to get, like, used to this. Turnaround for stuff is going to be expected to be way quicker, I think, because it's, People are going to be like, "Well, we don't have to wait. Let's just do it now. Like, we don't have to be in the city. Like, just do it now or resume." But there, I don't know. There could, there's like some, there's something to be said for that. I guess, like, yeah. Well, there's people... some politics around it as well. Like, I think that a lot of, I don't know so much about the film world, but in the fashion world, a lot of the flying people around, right, is like an ego thing. It's like a status thing. Like, oh, right. yeah. for example, two thousand pounds for one day for literally no reason. And that shit happens all the time. Um, and I don't think that that's going to stop because like, do you know what I mean? I think that <clears throat> if you really want a director to do something and they can't be there quickly, then this could be a good solution. But if you just want to make yourself look important by flying everyone everywhere, then people are just going to start doing that straight away. Van- vanity flights are a big, so. Right. I, do you think, um, I don't know. Well, it's, I, I, the other reason why I've been thinking about like, turnaround for things is going to increase the more the world kind of opens up is because like you were talking about last night there's there's going to be like such a huge rush to everything from you know concerts to seeing movies in a theater 
there's just gonna be such a demand for shit because everything's gonna be sold out. It's gonna be one people want to like have new shit all the time. It's yeah. gonna be it's gonna like ramp up, you know, production. So I, mean, I don't know. Production's already ramping up from what I can tell. There's like so many features and TV shows and projects and things that are like moving and people are back getting back into that pretty quickly. Yeah, there's a ton of it. Well, there's this, I mean, I'm sure you know, but there's this weird knock on effect where no, there's all this stuff that's been produced that nobody wants to release because they'll definitely lose money. So that's yeah. all backed up. And then there's people, <clears throat> loads of bits of industry whose jobs depend on them producing stuff. So that, I don't know, there's, there's either going to be this massive glut of stuff that comes out and no one has time to watch it all and it all gets like half-assed or i don't know or we just have a wonderful year of seeing twice as many films as we normally would or i don't know but i mean all the netflix stuff hasn't i mean i mean right, all of the streaming stuff is like still happening isn't it so there's also the fact that like people won't have money to go to movies all the time but i mean theaters could like sell five dollar tickets and they still sell out like every night once shit's open again so i don't know that's that's what's happened in london like um the big cinemas are like five six pounds to go and i've been going like they were open for about three months and i was going like two three times a week and it was completely empty like what were you, right. what were you seeing i saw they were playing loads of old films like dark knight and empire strikes back and that um Mem- memories of murders and loads of other stuff but like most of the time it would just be me on my own in the cinema yeah were they doing the like limited capacity thing or were they fully just going for it they could have been like two-thirds full but there was just no one going i think a lot of people just don't want to leave the house now as well i think yeah. like right i don't know yeah the vibe is the vibe is off I went, I went to a theater in philly and like it still was like you could tell that you know, 15 people out of for every show time. That's like the max amount of people that were going to show up to anything. Yeah, I, dude, I don't know. I mean, how how much money did Tenant lose? <laughs> like like hundreds, h- of hundreds of millions. Yeah, of I just don't, I, like I don't know. I don't know. I've recently been getting really stressed about how impossible it's going to be to make anything. Yeah, but I think you're right. I think there's going to be a surge back towards everybody wanting to have like a collective physical experience uh, of, you know, digesting some sort of art together, whether it be a concert or a movie. I like to think so. I don't know. I mean, like, no, I was just going to say that, like, with with all the live streaming and stuff on the Internet, like, I think the people that are doing that stuff are people who are like Internet beings anyway. Um, There's still a massive part of the population that is just sitting it out for now and they don't even know about this stuff yeah that's true i mean the other thing is we just don't we don't know what's going to happen in the future this is the amazing thing is like it's we can pontificate but literally fucking no idea like this virus could mutate into something else or uh, i don't know it's just like it's so because at the beginning of lockdown i was like you know as soon as everyone can go out it's going to do xyz and then it changed and people just did completely the opposite and i fuck knows. i think people are always going to want to watch good content though yeah you know, um how, i actually especially you i'm curious your opinion um because i feel like this is it's almost similar <clears throat> to what you were doing with something like that the birthday party video which was pre-covid what do you think about like digital screenings digital festivals and and like live, like live, like streamed concerts, like that kind of thing. Uh, personally, I just don't. I don't care. Like, it's not. It doesn't. 
it doesn't do it for me at all and i don't get excited about that sort of thing and i can't be bothered with it i mean it's been like a thing in the art world like we can't have freeze this year but we're gonna have a digital viewing room right exactly I don't want to like it's bad enough art being reduced from like a curated show in a gallery to like a consumer show already without it being reduced further still into like a fucking VR box or but I, I just don't care <clears throat> and like film festivals I don't know it I think it I so I keep drawing analogies to the fashion world because that's what I know better yeah, but yeah, like for sure instead of runway shows people have been doing so some people have been doing some quite innovative stuff and it's been going really well and some people have been failing very badly and it sort of shows who's actually got new ideas and who hasn't and i guess with film festivals with all of this stuff like the point of doing runway shows in the fashion world is to generate energy and hype and you can't do that really um with like an, a zoom meeting whatever screen right. but you can generate a different type of hype which you could already do on instagram anyway so yeah I, that's a that's a good point because I don't know if you've seen the Celine shows that Eddie's Eddie Salmon's been doing, but for me they're the first runway shows that I've actually <laughs> really watched because those films used to be kind of like uploaded to a website or you could like look at stills on Vogue or whatever. But now these videos are like hyper tailored to be for Instagram, for Instagram stories and you know, they're shot in some like ballpark or some sort of gigantic field and it's the it's the one piece of or type of media that i'm actually engaging with for the first time fully in this time period so i do think that yeah fashion's interesting because i mean just being a different art form in of itself is actually maybe benefiting from having to switch because like you know just the 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 old model of like people either go to the shows and you see the pictures afterward like i kind of like fashion i mean with the rise of like e-commerce and everybody shopping a lot more now i think it's like kind of interesting with fashion the thing is that that's <clears throat> that's definitely true like it's going to open up to a much broader audience and that's really good <clears throat> but fashion in that way sort of it thrives on exclusivity and elitism and you know who's sitting on the front row at shows and all of that stuff so i guess the film world equivalent they'll be <clears throat> in an, in any sort of cultural scene there's always these like clicks and niches and scenes and all of that stuff and if you open it up to just any anyone you know <clears throat> you you lose that component of the industry so like for example with that you know the Prada stuff like they they commission these really good films and they're really nice and everyone likes them like you said you know they're accessible and you can watch them on IGTV that's great but they've lost the entire kind of um, like schmoozing journalists and getting people to feel special so that they do XYZ and like all of that is like literally impossible like if people have been sending me invites saying like we've got you a, v a vip pass to watch xyz fashion show at this time i'm like it's not fucking special yeah. like at all like, why don't i just wait one hour and watch it with everyone else i literally don't care i could be like doing my own thing and do it at my convenience so do you see what i mean it's like yeah. it's on the one hand but it sucks on another um yeah well, film festivals are kind of following that too because in a way the festivals that have been happening like i, I guess venice or or sundance will um, the elitism is actually even more now because there's going to be like a 15% uh, capacity of, you know, those screenings now. So that means those pe the people in those room are really just the essential people. Like the front row of the fashion show is at those screenings now and everybody else has to pay full price to watch it on their fucking computer, which to me doesn't really make any sense. Like I'm not going to pay for any f film festival uh, yeah. to watch on my computer. I just, I, I won't do it. It's also the, the problem is like usually live streaming just like looks worse. It's like laggy and sucks. 
It's yeah, just like cool. you're paying for, to like watch a worse version of it. It's the same thing with like a lot of live performance, like music live stream shows. It's just a bunch of people like plugging into their computer and singing, and it sounds like a worse version of the recorded output. It's just like why would I why would I listen to this? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I guess the one thing that's good with that, like I complete that. This is actually that's kind of the most important thing is I think when I go to the cinema, I want to be in the cinema. Do you know what I mean? That's it. Like yeah. Like films are made i mean you know that's why i go so much but like <clears throat> the one thing i've seen people do which is quite cool online is have like actually we did it for two 1975 things where we would release it and then have like a viewing party or a listening party and then like 10 15 000 kids go on twitter and comment like live as it's happening right. and it was really cool like we did one with youtube where it was like they did this sort of um they promoted this viewing room and then at the, like everyone watches it at the same time and everyone comments and all of that stuff goes into social media. And that was pretty cool because that wouldn't happen if it was like a physical screening at all. So that's the only thing I've seen that was, but yeah, you're right. The quality suffers and all of that stuff. But I think the kind of important thing is, you know, it's since it's not, you can't just make a new version of a film screening, a concert, a runway show, whatever it is. It can't just be the digital version of that. It has to be, like the ones I've seen that are successful have to be thought of kind of entirely as a different medium. You know what I mean? This isn't a concert. This isn't a screening. This is some new kind of thing. You have to figure out how to tailor this as opposed to making it a new version of the old experience. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's the same as, when, do you remember when magazines, when they first started having digital magazines and people would make this flash thing where you could like click and turn the page? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think, who fucking wants to do that? It's so stupid. Like, right. you could do literally anything with the screen and make it any kind of interactive. Why would you just replicate a magazine? And I guess that's the same with this stuff. Like, Right. Yeah. But I, feel, I feel like this is something you, I don't know, might have ideas about because even that birthday party video you did, there was the website... Um, mind shower equivalent to like that uh, uh kind of side piece <laughs> that was like a uh you know a world that you could enter that was uh complemented the the piece itself uh i don't know i feel like there's something to be said for that type of thinking for making these types of live streamed events more interesting you know what i mean yeah for sure and i guess that was <clears throat> so the backstory of that is that when that album came out, we had to, well, we didn't have to, but you kind of do have to do something with Spotify, Amazon, who else, like Apple Music right. and someone else. Like you just have to do, so, like you have to get them to um, want to treat you right algorithmically. So um, that was the Amazon thing. And we like, it worked out really well because we did this thing where you could talk to Alexa and get Alexa to do certain things and it interacted with the website and all the fans right. loved it. <laughs> and yeah you're right i think like that felt it felt like a very natural follow-on because we'd already created that world so i guess it's like with this new film spectacular reality casting somebody just commented when we posted they were like this seems like an arg and we were like oh cool well now maybe it could be an arg do you know what i mean we could right. go and do that with this because that's what you, you know it would fit with what you expect it to be and that like opens up all these other doors well, yeah, and that's interesting too because that's kind of more what I was saying about this like new turnaround vibe. Because like that world that you you made, the whole birthday party thing, that wasn't really for the album. That was for this one single from the album. And yeah. that's kind of what I'm saying. Like each uh, like promotion has to... I mean, I don't know how this really applies to film the same way, but especially for music, right? It's each single 
each single's release has to be a way more monumental thing than it used to be. It used to be like you release some singles and then you release an album and that album lives for like a whole cycle and it's uh, uh, all of these singles are part of this this whole. Now each single being released has to kind of be its own thing oh, with yeah. like artwork and this own kind of separate PR campaign almost and then uh, they have to kind of have legs on their own outside of an album or else everybody just forgets about it. Like you have to constantly be reminding and like putting out new pieces of the album constantly you know what i'm saying it's like yeah it's like an attention span thing it's but that's what i'm saying this weird like quick turnaround i just i just i had a hot take as you were as you were saying that i just had a really hot take on this let's hear it is that the thing with music is that it's all everything's available on spotify like everything Mm -hmm. but that's not the case with films so all of this stuff happens in the music world because it's this race for algorithm it's this race for streams mm-hmm. but you don't really get that with the film world yet and like i've i've always said like you know i've got a friend who works at universal licensing and we've had this discussion like why isn't there just a spotify for film right you know, it's so fucking annoying like there's, there's films out there that like i just want to watch the film in england and i literally can't unless i do it illegally right and that's fucking stupid in 2020 um, but like, I think the moment when that starts happening, then probably people will start to treat films the same way that they treat music, because like, at the moment, it's like the way you promote films is very traditional. Like, there's nothing, yeah. there's no technological advancement at all. I guess the only thing that's really technologically advanced is what you were saying about like finding new ways to deal with it because of COVID. Until then, it was literally fucking like can the Oscars film festivals like going and promoting its screenings talks all of this stuff is like there's nothing new about it at all it's like 20 years old but music has had to like it's had to evolve really super quickly because of the like the darwinism of spotify and exactly amazon all that shit um yeah i mean now you know you have things like they'll make directors will make an instagram account for the film that will have you know something things that inspire the film something like that but and that's not much obviously but that's kind of what i'm saying it's there needs to be all these like kind of new legs for how something is promoted or else it just kind of comes and maybe some people are interested in it and then it just fades away really quickly like the collective attention is just too short um but uh and i don't know that's for better or for worse i mean obviously it can that type of turnaround and thinking can lead to cool things like the mind shower birthday party thing or could lead to just like an oversaturation and just like tons of boring shit being pushed all the time i don't know what was that, what was that film with the lighthouse was it called the lighthouse the yeah, one yeah yeah lighthouse that film with the lighthouse <clears throat> that was like i went that's a really good example because like i went to see it i enjoyed it and i was like valeria caraman has a you know she's got her own instagram and then the film had an instagram i was like why do films have to have instagrams now it's like when it's like when websites first started and everything had to have yeah, an exactly you don't have to have a fucking instagram feed you don't have to have an app for the film why don't you just work in an interesting way with all the people connected to it and do something collaborative do you know what i mean like right it always feels it almost always feels completely pointless i guess so no oh, yeah the, the, the instagram accounts for films are like some of the saddest corners uh, of i the know internet. i know yeah I, that's like i mean it was i mean this is all i started thinking about this it was like a few months ago that there was this you know controversy that the spotify ceo was saying like you the way we have to just release things differently now we can't have albums like we used to you have to just constantly be putting shit out and like everyone got really mad i mean 
Rightfully so. I mean, obviously, it's weird. It's not. I guess it's not all good or all bad. I think there's something to be said about not laboring over shit and just like being forced to put it out. Um, I mean, at least like personally, as someone who makes stuff, I, I kind of like being forced to not uh, ruminate over things forever and kind of just have to give it life and then just move on to the next thing. And I think that could benefit a lot of artists or whatever, but it also is going to lead to a lot of horrible shit and just like pumping out music because you have to. I mean, I, I don't know. I guess film can't really get saturated like that because you need a shit ton of money to make mm -hmm. a film. Well, and and you mean, yeah. don't need any money to make music now really like at all. Yeah, well, the, the film not having its own Spotify thing is interesting because like I, I do think of Netflix and Amazon Prime and like what the Criterion channel tried to do as like they, they were trying to I mean they are trying to replicate that experience of like having everything accessible for I mean maybe it costs money but like a prime subscription does get you a a, a the original Spotify amount of yeah but then you're like still paying for the to, individual you have to start paying yeah. for the individual thing uh, but so. it's also like um but then that leads but that that's kind of exactly what I'm saying that maybe that is the kind of film equivalent to what I'm saying about with music, how people are now just being forced to churn out new music all the time. There's these kind of Netflix serial things that are really quickly done and have huge budgets, and I don't think anyone who works on them is even very interested in them. And and but they get what that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. Is it's this really weird, just like content churn that used to exist on yeah in magazines, and then after that the internet, but it was on a much smaller scale, right? It would be just like digital content on that was kind of disposable on some small website. Now it's like a huge budget version on Netflix from some like serialized, like really long I think thing. The, I think the perception is that like maybe there isn't an oversaturation of films because they're more expensive, but there there is so much shit made. Like I was, <laughs> yeah. I was at a hotel the other night and I was going through like the movies and the menu and I had not heard of a single movie and then I started to realize, I start, then I saw Spree, Eugene Kolyarenko's movie, and then I saw a bunch of other movies that I had seen at Sundance the previous year and I was like this is where all of these movies have ended up for this yeah. year is they cost $20 on the Nomad Hotel TV <laughs> you know what I mean and they, like, they will never see a theatrical run oh, they may never even be on Prime like there is a wasteland of films and visual content that exists and it doesn't know where to go it just has to be like in, a, in an expensive hotel room for some reason right and it, it, there is a thing that's rougher about that with film as opposed to again music because music even if there's a ton there's a whole wasteland of you know random music out there if some of it's good it's very easy for it to get discovered and heard online and like get its own legs organically like it's very accessible in that way and that's the that's the thing you if a film doesn't isn't at the right place at the right time and doesn't uh be, isn't given a life kind of the proper way it can totally just even if it's great it could totally just like disappear it takes a lot to get people to care about a movie yeah and it, that's a, that's a weird thing too especially as like an artist or whatever if you're um your own kind of personal um aspiration as an artist is make the best thing that you can possibly make like that's obviously when yeah. you were a kid and you wanted to be a filmmaker or whatever you start thinking I want to make the best version of what I can make. Once I make the best version of what I can make, I've done it. I finally like realized my potential. my potential and my true self, whatever. But then you don't think like, 
oh, but I need to be yeah in the right place at the right time. I need to know the right people. I need access. All this stuff that you never think because that's not how, you don't think of it. I don't in know. This kind of business way. You know what I'm saying? It's like you, I I, you always think that that's the end goal, just making the best thing you can make. And then you get there and you're like, oh, fuck. I didn't realize there's all this other shit I never thought about. I think that <clears throat> I think that's maybe that's the one good thing about the way that I've come into this is that absolutely everything that I do has to start off like we always start off thinking about like how are we going to make this exist within culture properly. So, like, it's never been a case of let's make it as best as we can and then hopefully we'll make it fit into culture it's always been like okay how do we make something that's culturally appropriate and released at the right time and like weird stuff happens like the birthday party was delayed for six months like six nine months or something just because they were late with the album or the album took longer to finish right. than they were anticipating or there was some other reason i can't remember what it was but like then it kind of fucks with your plans and you're like oh but it would have been like in terms of zeitgeist Geist, it, if it had landed at exactly that moment, it would have been perfect. But then you sort of have to create another bit of zeitgeist for it. Yeah, I exactly. Guess if you're operating with like, I think that, <clears throat> I mean, I think it's, it's a little bit like that. Don't judge a book by its cover thing. Like, I think you really should judge a book by its cover because if you're an artist, you're responsible for all of it. And like all of the best albums that I liked when I was a kid, they're all like the artists were involved with all of it. Like they didn't just palm off some responsibility to someone else. Like, do you know what I mean? Like the Swans, right. like they did everything. And like, you know, whoever it was, whoever it was, I'm not going to list them. But like those people were thinking about how to make it live within culture, but they just didn't have the internet at the time. So I think yeah. like maybe it's just about as the more we do this stuff, the more we kind of stop being naive and start to think like, yeah, I can make it the best I can, but I really have to be working, thinking about PR and thinking about marketing and all of it, like from the from the get go. Otherwise, it's like that that thing, like you know, it's it's not up to people to discover my work. It's up to me to make it like to make it available for them. Do you know, and to make them right. watch it. Otherwise, like you know, I can't just be moaning that people don't appreciate, <laughs> don't appreciate yeah it. totally yeah. um yeah and that's a get that's like yeah all that's the short attention span shit i'm talking about it's uh trends or whatever are cycling faster than ever it seems to me now so yeah exactly like you're saying if something gets delayed by a few months maybe that's somehow like not the perfect time it's somehow not the vibe in the zeitgeist anymore even though it was like four months ago it's weird how quick it turns around but do you sense that that that, that care for being within the zeitgeist affects the work like it sounds like you're coming from a place where you want those things to symbiotically like organically inform each other i think that's that's just specific to my work like i'm really that's all i'm interested in is fucking around with culture you know, that's it so like um for me personally yeah that's that's super important but for other people it's not important at all like i think that other people have a different approach to their craft and that's fine you know but like my stuff is all self-referential and meta and all of this this kind of you know post you know meta modern stuff whatever so i live by this i live and die by that sword really and like but that's a choice you know that i like i choose to kind of make that a subject matter so yeah i can't then complain if the zeitgeist i think with like zeitgeist is an interesting thing as well because like i think having worked in sort of with like fashion for so for so long like i know that no one person creates it like it's a thing that's just happening but you can harness it if you are lucky or clever and some people are really good at doing it all the time and some people have moments and they'll like ride it for a bit and it goes really well 
but everyone's really like we're all kind of playing the same game of sort of creating it and trying to tame it at the same time and that's i think that's kind of the joy of it really like i, I find that's like obviously what you guys are doing with this like you're what you're doing right now is very is a very current thing and the way that you talk about it online is very culturally appropriate do you know what i mean and like right. that, it, there's no way that that would have happened 10 years ago and there's no way it'll be happening in 10 years time so like all of us talking now are, like we're doing it really but like i guess the amazing thing is that in 20 years people will look back at this podcast or the film or whatever and just think oh that's so retro and cute and quaint and nostalgic <laughs> you know all of this shit they well, will yeah i think i think i think you and i do this as a reaction to never having really engaged with making things on that level before i mean right. speaking personally like Same. i do or have tended to approach making things within a vacuum or for right. my own self sense of self satisfaction or something or just like for the sake of the work itself and i think we've reached a point in our lives where we just snapped and we were just like yeah instagram shit whatever yeah let's, let's just let's go for right it. well that's and because i think i i don't know maybe i'm too ocd or something but when i start to yeah kind of leave my vacuum and and uh start thinking about where will this you know fit thing i'm making fit in in culture i start to just like the work suffers it's just it's not how i think well it, looking up to like carl's like hipster runoff as a teenager it is it's not something that's been outside of my mind forever i was like yeah commenting and fucking with culture in that way is maybe one of the most interesting things that i could think of doing i just never got the sense that that was something that was in our lexicon right but you guys posted that you i don't know if you wrote it but you definitely posted a meme about like the virgin the virgin artistic integrity in the chat yeah. take the money oh, and I fucking completely agree with every single word of that. Like that is the most astute thing. I oh, know it's, sick. it's a joke, I mean, I'm I, glad you say that because some people got really mad about. We that. lost some friends over that. Yeah, literally. <laughs> the best that, that people are so fucking naive. Like, that I think the best thing. I mean, I'm not saying that I would work for anyone at all. Like, you know, arms dealers or whatever. But like, right. the best thing to do is to work with somebody who's got a really good budget. Like, have a sick. Uh, but she's nah, whatever like, i don't give a fucking shit like 20 million 100 million people have seen this work i don't give a fuck what you think do you know what i mean it's like now we're actually we're making an impact on culture do you know what i mean and like yeah. we've, done, we've had a cool idea we've shown it to a shitload of people we've got you know we didn't get paid because <laughs> it was for days but like do you know what i mean i think that that attitude i think is much more healthy and interesting than like like you said like making stuff for your mates and for your friends to respect and not thinking about like i i'm genuinely way more interested in what total strangers think about yeah what, exactly what my friends like my friends are always going to like what i do because they're my friends do you know what i mean or they're like mm. people are always going to bitch about our stuff because you know people are like that but like it doesn't matter like i want to know what some kid in fucking new zealand thinks about it that's way right. more yeah, that's, I mean, we've, we've definitely said this on the pod before, but yeah, that's the thing I say all the time. I think the idea that, uh, you know, make, make, yeah, we well, right. We say that in the meme, but yeah, make things for yourself. That's like the, this, it's such a truism that gets said in every art circle. Like, don't, let's just make it for yourself. Like, I think that's the worst idea ever. Like if I wanted to make stuff for myself, I wouldn't be pursuing it on like a how it was like a hobby at that point it's not like you know it's what i mean selfish. yeah it's so selfish and like this is i mean i i studied at this college in london called the royal college of art and i studied communications like communications and like to communicate as any communication student knows you need a like a communicator a message and an audience 
and like no one ever talked about the audience i'm like that's all i care about like the joy right. of this stuff is you make a thing and then you put it in front of an audience and sometimes that audience is like 500 people and sometimes it's 50 million people but that's for me that's the joy and like at the point where you're just thinking purely about the work and what you want to make it's like yeah that's fine but like you said it's a hobby it's not that's yeah. not um and i guess this is the whole fine art versus low art or popular art or whatever thing like i don't i'm not a fine artist you know i'm a you know i, I make stuff for people to consume for sure right. and i guess if you're a fine artist maybe that's okay but still like what are you going to do like make stuff and not put it in a gallery or you know it's it's still like it's still the same question like you're making stuff to be to be perceived or whatever right and uh, yeah and again this isn't to say like if you're not trying to affect culture in some large scale like what are you even doing like some people just want to make their their avant shit and like whatever that's fine you know like some of it's cool but yeah it's i mean the idea that uh the, yeah, the high and low brow or whatever are these kind of opposing things as opposed to just two separate things is is a ridiculous way to think. Yeah, because I, mean, I think that there still is an ego associated with like, I'm not making my stuff for anyone. Like right. there still is a pride in like knowing that like maybe I'll die one day and they'll do a retrospective of my work. Right. Like yeah. they, they, you, there's still like a pining for, for fame in a way. It's like, it's even maybe more profound of a desire right i mean everyone gets caught up in it to some degree i mean since i mean it's like uh brian wilson trying to outdo the beatles it's like everybody gets caught up in and that to some degree you that's who you're surrounded by your peers who are making things so that's obviously where your mind goes to uh kind of qualify what you're doing but i don't know i think it's important for most everyone if most if not everyone who makes art in any way to yeah, like go see what people are watching. Go turn on the radio. Like see what's up outside of your world. It's, I think it's important. I've noticed that there's a reaction in people who have stuck in sort of underground DIY scenes to to want to make work that reaches more people. Like filmmaker Kaveh Zahedi, who we had at one of our screenings, mm -hmm. um, has operated in a sort of niche indie film world for you know a decade, two decades plus, and whenever I talk to him, his vibe very much now is I don't give a shit anymore. I want to go to Hollywood. Like I want to make this thing for everybody. I want to do TV. Like I like he's it's, and, it, and at first it, it hit me as like, Oh wow. He's lost it. Like he, the career didn't work out in the way that he envisioned and now he's reacting, but no, I'm realizing yeah. now that he's, he's done the other thing and he's realizing that the art in of itself has more power when more people are engaging with it and it's communicating with more people. Right. And that's, I like, I was just having been in New York, uh, you know, different art worlds for a very long time, meeting so many people who are very, uh, you know, avant. I realize like nine times out of 10 talking to them, it feels like cope. <laughs> it's like they don't really want to be doing this on a small scale at all. They This is like the narrative they've invented to like feel better about their career and then also not take risks doing new stuff because they like yeah. have their little thing it really i think more people than not want to reach a wider audience than uh than they'd been 100 percent. and i've had like <clears throat> i've had people be quite sniffy about some of the people i work with 
and I'm always just like, well, do you know what? That's cool. You can be sniffy about it, but like, I'm getting paid loads and fucking millions of people are seeing it. So like, if you want to be sniffy, that's fine. The one thing I will say, which is absolutely fair on the other side of this, is that it would it really sucks to lose your artistic integrity for sure. Oh, yeah. So I think like I want to be doing this. I want to be doing this stuff for lots of people, and I'm happy to compromise, of course, because like like we did this thing recently that was like a very avant-garde artist from Spain for a very popular band, and some of their younger fan base fucking hated it and i like in a way i was like yeah that's kind of my bad because you know i was maybe not appreciate I, w- I wasn't thinking enough about the audience at the time um but was thinking too much about integrity but like i have to say like i am in a in a blessed position where i get to do the stuff i actually want to do for bigger people and i guess it would suck to lots of people do it you know lots of people do kind of go and just get a job working for an ad agency or do whatever because they don't want to it's a risk isn't it like it's all a gamble like i could tomorrow get cancelled guys and never work again <laughs> it could happen it could happen to anyone yeah. like, but you know just, I mean? yeah but i think there that that's the that's the middle ground that people don't talk about is like it's not one or the other. It's not giving up the integrity or whatever. It's yeah. learning how to make people uh, see its message. You know what I mean? Yeah. You have to um, like. It's like if you're if you're a chef, you're not just gonna like make the dish that tastes really good and like slop it on a plate and like throw it down. You like make it look good and appetizing, and then they want to eat it. That's that's the. But it doesn't it doesn't compromise the dish like the dish is fire you know what i'm saying it's like <laughs> yeah. yeah but like also i wouldn't say that like even in in our culture now it's definitely not like i mean whether you like them or not people like dennis villeneuve and christopher nolan like that's not they're not it's not dumb shit like whether you right. like it or not they're yeah. very talented people reaching very big audiences and being appreciated for it so i think that that argument that you have to dumb down for mass audiences is just not true you I know agree. it's like yeah. mass audiences will appreciate more like stuff if you give it to them and i guess there's a, this is another point that i really learned from the fashion world is that we as creatives are responsible for kind of responsible for showing people what to like you know in a way but also they're responsible for telling us whether or not we've done a good job so it's like a two, it's a it's it's another symbiotic thing do you know what i mean like yeah, right you, you um <clears throat> we can introduce people to ideas and we can try and re reshape culture and do all these interesting things they might not like it but it is our responsibility rather than just being reactive and thinking oh well people want to see another fucking netflix series about narcos let's make another netflix let's make the seven billion netflix series about drug trafficking or prisons and that i actually love that shit but the world does not <laughs> the world does not <laughs> right well yeah and i think the best stuff does toe that line really well like when we talk about radiohead or like paul thomas anderson christopher nolan people who are making stuff for the widest possible audience and when it toes that line between showing people the way showing the masses like this is what's good this is the new creative way but also making it accessible that stuff is also probably the best art like those are my favorite Absolutely. movies my i mean that's a, 1975 that's why that's a a great pairing for you yeah, it's ex- i feel like that's exactly what we're talking about like yeah i didn't want to be i didn't want to be kind of i'm glad you brought it up because i think that that's the joy of working with them like we have you know especially with matty like we have very long very detailed discussions about all sorts of philosophical shit 
like really in depth. And then he, the genius of him is that he will like boil it down to something that becomes a number one album or a, like a right. song that everyone's humming. And for me, that's fucking beautiful. Like I love that and I really respect it because it's not, you know, it's absolutely nothing to do with the kind of coping that you were talking about or the like, you know, the arrogant sort of, oh, well, I'm going to make this really, really fucking niche noise tape uh, that only five people can buy. And right. like, no one can even criticize that. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's so niche that it's not even able to be criticized. But I just love people who can do stuff like that and make it accessible, but be smart and interesting and introduce new ideas to younger people. All of that stuff's it's fucking cool. Yeah, totally. I mean, exactly. That's, um, I don't like, yeah, for 1975, nothing seems compromised at all. It seems very you know genuinely them and kind of born out of them as a group that have been the same group for so long but you know they've figured out how to talk to people it's like uh it's not an easy thing to do but it's um they clearly never uh tried to have it any other way they just were going for it they also which I, this is the thing about act, working with professional actors as well that i found really interesting um, is that until I'd worked with the 1975, I didn't know what like a really, really absolutely top of their game professional performer looked like. And then I saw them working. I was like, oh my God, you guys are fucking amazing. Like you can get on the stage in front of 50,000 people like that and do exactly the thing, not fuck it up. And it's like, just seeing all of that in action and seeing professional actors doing their stuff is like, wow, this is, it's incredible. Like, right. you know, um, it's not, not just anyone can do that. You know, it's like a very high level of professionalism, but what they do is they make it look easy. You know, that like yeah. a good actor or a good singer or a good, you know, they make it maybe not like a good guitar player because that's a, it's a skill, but a lot of those performers that we see as, you know, we don't, I don't think we appreciate how much of a craft that is sometimes. No, totally. It's, um, and not to get like too woo woo, but it's, uh, it's, a uh, um, it is just this kind of like energy in the room, room thing. It's not really a thing you can describe. Exactly, it's different than just playing an instrument well or something. It's different than just a skill. It's there's some type of uh, just you know mastery of their environment that when you see someone who's really on on top of it, you're just like, oh yeah, this is this person's on some other shit. Yeah, totally. But I think I guess that's the point of all of this stuff is like, you know, they are they are riding culture. They're sort of they've harnessed it and they're doing it well. And like some of them do it for a long time. Right. Yeah, it's impressive. Um, have you been shadow banned on Instagram? Yeah, man. <laughs> I, I, try, I was trying to find your your handle, and I was like, why is it not showing up? I had to go into the DMs. It's fucking so annoying. Somebody, my cat has a fan page, so this guy, I think it's a guy, runs a fan page for my cat, and people, most people find me because his fan page comes up. My cat's fucking fan page. <laughs> So they go on the fan page and then click my name. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's, it sucks. Like Instagram is is the worst. Like that, the yeah. worst. But also the best. It's the best and the worst. Yeah. What what gets you shadow banned? I, I've noticed a couple people. Is it, but it's always well, people I bring who, this up because we're talking about like making things for the mass, and I was like, I right. can't get to Ben's Instagram right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that I make stuff for the masses, but you know, to be fair to Instagram, I do post stuff that is not for a family audience, and you know, I post gore and you know, sexy time stuff, and like, they don't want family people seeing it like when i started using instagram it was it was meant for over 18s only and now you just have to like i think they i think they make it so that nobody under 18 can accidentally come across my corrupting 
right. come and be corrupted and you know damaged or whatever. I mean, you're a pretty avid user of Instagram, and you post a lot. I was I was curious when you, when you're making new work, if if you're thinking about how how it will uh, materialize on people's phones as as an advertisement. Yeah, hundred percent. Like, <clears throat> I think that it would be. <clears throat> I guess for this particular project that's coming out tomorrow, spectacular reality, we're thinking like, how's it going to look in a movie theater, and how's it going to look on a laptop screen? And blah 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 but anything that i've done for days beauty has been primarily how's it going to work on a phone and you know the formats of it the sizes the the duration like the sound like i've worked with this the the sound guy who did spectacular reality we worked on a load of stuff for dazed and the kylie jenner thing and we tried to develop like sub-based things that would make your phone vibrate in your hand so like you know the sound designs led by phones as well like all of that stuff for sure um and i think it would be kind of naive not to i guess with like with cinema it's different but with anything else i think if you're i was talking to a fashion brand i'm working with and like you see this like <clears throat> they were saying that when they do gifts when they send out gifts to influencers they never send out shoes because nobody ever takes a picture of a shoe and tags it so they only send out earrings and hoodies and tops and hats and that sort of stuff and it's like well yeah that's it's kind of shaping fashion in a weird way but you'd be naive not to be thinking about that stuff, really. So, you know, right. you've got to- I, I'm actually glad you mentioned that. I have thought about that before. Like, no one uh, custom tailors sound to work on a phone, really. And I, 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 was, I, I yes, yeah, I think uh, that's a that's a that's a that's a huge move. I mean, everybody has the speaker. We should like optimize things for it do you have ideas about that when you think about making a feature or, or moving more into you know make doing like the proper filmmaking and in, in terms of like how it will exist with modern technology and phones and things yeah <clears throat> i think it's really it's difficult and i don't have a specific answer because I th i'd like to think that if i made a feature it would be to be enjoyed in the cinema but then by the time i'm actually doing it i would like to think that i'd have the creativity to incorporate something technological into it but i mean i i just i think with with this film that's that we've just made it's definitely we were talking all the way along about the sound how it's going to work on a phone um like we were talking about like should we release stuff with a thing saying to rotate it to watch it and i was like well no because nobody ever does that and you know all of, all of this stuff we were thinking about it while we were making it but ultimately it's going to come out on days and people are going to watch it on youtube and i i can't control what direction they hold their phone um and i'd like to think if i made a feature that people would be enjoying it in the cinema really that's that's the truth yeah. of it that's what i want well like with this movie spree that we had another podcast about um and this isn't a slide against the movie but for me and it's been it's something that's been happening for the past decade now is it just incorporating social media interfaces within the frame of a movie which to me is is pretty unimaginative and is, is not something or seeing a text bubble pop up on the screen like incorporating modernity in that way which it's like of course that can be an element but if th that as like a modern gimmick to me doesn't speak to anything it doesn't really have any significance and I feel like I'm, I'm looking for the filmmaker who's going to do something interesting with all of the new ways in which we can view things and I haven't seen that quite yet you're gonna see it tomorrow. Tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow. Oh, I've, 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 I've seen some stuff. Um, ben, have you seen Spree? 
No, I've I've heard about it. I've, I've watched bits of it, and I know exactly what you mean. With I mean, I know what you're referring to with the overlays and stuff. And I guess like, <clears throat> yeah, I completely agree that. It, I, I, again, I'm not criticizing that film because I haven't watched it properly. It could be really great, but like, I think that you know, it's more interesting to be sort of inside the technology, like how we act and behave within it, rather than showing the overlays and the you know the, the sort of architecture of it is like. Sometimes it's useful, but generally it, I've, I've, I very rarely see that be interesting. Unless you literally see somebody using a phone and it's like overlaid onto the phone, and then that's just it's a prop. Do you know what I mean? It's not exactly. Really, yeah. I mean, yeah. the movie is also has you know thematic elements of like wanting to get ahead through social media. There's obviously like a, a deeper levels to what it's engaging with. Yeah, I mean, I thought it worked in Spree. I w yeah, I wouldn't want to see like that become a thing that there's like a ton of movies like this now but i i thought it worked in spree i don't know it, uh, i mean it's what the movie's about the movie's about like ride share and like instagram <laughs> and live streaming and all those sorts of things which is cool but i'm so a, a movie that i bring up sometimes is knight of cups i don't know if you've seen it's a terrence malick movie from five or six years ago um but to me that movie felt like a movie that was engaging with new forms of technology for cinema in a cool way just like Letting actors go off with GoPros, being shot in multiple formats, being getting really experimental with the sound mix. It was it was imaginative and free in a way that like it was taking advantage of the format of what cinema is, the medium itself, going full blast and showing you things in all the ways that we can see things now. Um, and it's just funny that it's coming from an old man now at this point, but maybe that's <clears throat> maybe it's easier for an old man to do that. Do you know what I mean? I think that what like I literally live within. The majority of my life is within Instagram. Like I spend almost all my time glued to it. So maybe for somebody like him, it's easy. It's like I, I never comment online about British politics because I'm too close to it. Like I find it easy to look at what's going on in America or Ukraine or Russia or whatever. But I think it's the same with technology. Like the other thing is that this film we were just talking about is called Spree, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. I reckon that that's the sort of film that people are going to look back at in 15, 20 years and be like, this was fucking so cool. Do you know what I mean? Because at the moment, it's too of the moment to be appreciated in the moment sometimes. Right. Yes. Like 2004 music videos now look so sick. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I would have just been like, what is this annoying shit? Now I'm like, it's, it's so fucking cool. You yeah. Know? Like I, what think, I think that's what Eugene's probably hoping for. And I, I've said that to him that I'm like, I think people will look back at this movie, but I think his frustration still comes from I want it to be important and cool now though right I mean I think I mean I think but I think that's an important thing because I think in our kind of nostalgia era where everything is referencing what it's influenced by super hard everything from like music to film to fashion whatever mm. uh, I think that like people if you're a filmmaker you look to an old old films that you love and, uh, and you're like this this film did X Y and Z and I love those things. I want to do those things too. But it's not, I think what made you like that film is not the X, Y, and Z that you liked about it. It's the way the filmmaker uh, interacted with the X, Y, and Z. <clears throat> so yeah. I think instead of trying to take the X, Y, and Z, you should try to take the relationship that that filmmaker had to the X, Y, and Z. Uh, yeah. That's like what you should kind of take from your influences as opposed to the uh, more concrete things. And I think yeah. that is true for music too and, and probably everything. Well, I was talking to some friends about this the other day and we were saying like, what is it? How do you stay relevant? You know, and this is something I think, you know, I'm, I'm getting, we're all getting older. I mean, it's just natural, but like, 
how I guess my entire income depends on staying relevant. Right. And we're saying like you either become one of those people who has an aesthetic and that aesthetic is relevant every 20 years, like on a cycle and you cash in every 20 years and then sort of drift along in between or which I prefer, it's about a way of thinking. So like, you know, all of like, I would like to think that it's my way of thinking that I'm selling, not a visual aesthetic or anything like that. And I guess like all of my heroes, like, I mean, I just want to be, then I want to be David Cronenberg. I'm just going to say it. That I fucking love David Big Cronenberg. Big shout David Cronenberg. I love David Cronenberg. And like, you know, a few people like that, or even, you know, David Lynch or whoever, like it's not, it's nothing to do with what camera they're using or right. what like blah, 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 blah. It's just the way of thinking. And they stay relevant for so long and love for so long because of that. And that, I think that's a real like aspirational thing is like, you know, make your way of thinking or your way of like putting things together be the thing that people want rather than like right. what it, well, I actually think it's interesting that you say, you know, Terrence Malick, who's an old man, is someone who kind of tapped into what you're talking about. I think kind of older people do get that more because, like I said, they already have kind of uh, learned about themselves. Isn't They have this relationship to making art that they already kind of know and is that they can just live like second nature, right? And then they're not thinking about um, aesthetics in the same way. They're not trying to to nail something in the same way. They kind of have this way of making things that can just come out with whatever the tools yeah, they, they have around confidence, them. Yeah. yeah. And um, also, I mean, most people I talk to who have been making whatever art, whether it be music or film uh, for, you know, decades, uh, they love new technology. They're like, this is what we always wanted in the 80s or whatever. Like, are you, like why would you ever want to like shoot on film or record to tape? Like, we've always wanted this kind of thing. <laughs> so it's, there's also the, they have no, um, there's, they don't romanticize the technology at all, which <clears throat> I think is why they can have like a more pure relationship with it or whatever. Yeah, I think also like, <clears throat> just going back to what you were saying just now as well, like I did a photo shoot two weeks ago, which is coming out sometime next year. And it's like, it's a beauty shoot and it's with the photographer Greta Ilieva, who I love. And we were shooting people with like skin, skin conditions with this lingerie and it's a, like a beauty shoot. And she was really worried that it would look too gross or too ugly. And I was like, but Greta, it won't because it's you and me doing it. And we have never made anything that doesn't look like a bit luminous and beautiful. So like it's impossible for, and we're both old enough to know that like it will look like our work because we're making it. Do you know what I mean? That's it. Right. It's not going to suddenly look like someone else's work. And like, it doesn't matter if she's shooting on an iPhone or a fucking medium format camera or whatever. We're still like, we're still us making the work. And I think that's something that comes with age and like, and also being like, being really sure of what you're doing. Like, I don't spend very much time at all being like nervous about whether or not something's going to be the way it should be because I've done it thousands of times now. And like, I worry about like people liking it or it being good for sure. But I'm not any longer worried about like, will it, you, you know, will I be able to to execute it? Do you know what I mean? Whereas yeah. I think younger people are like, they're very much caught up in like, will we literally physically be able to execute this project? Do you know what I mean? That, right. That's something that goes, I think, as you get more confident, for sure. Right. Um, yeah. And and there's a, um, I don't know. I think about like, if you really love an artist and you're a young person making your first major thing. You can you like go online and read all their interviews and watch YouTube videos of them and look at pictures of them, and it that like kind of seeps into your head in this way of like you want to 
people can say, I want to do it exactly like them. I want to feel like this. You know what I mean? It's this kind of like idolization thing. Whereas in pre-internet generation, you didn't kind of have this kind of subconscious uh, archetype you're trying to embody while making things. I'm not saying people are consciously doing this. It's it's more of a subconscious thing. But so I think that allowed, you know, when people weren't kind of trying to uh, play this character to themselves, uh, they could have a more pure relationship to making stuff. And then from that, they kind of developed themselves as an artist easier. Um, so I don't know. I mean, obviously it's fun to like watch a bunch of shit about your heroes, but I think it's easy from that to get caught up in trying to do it like them. And then that leads to, oh, I need to like shoot it with the same camera that he shot with, or I need to use the same microphone. He, you know, it leads to that kind of stuff, which I think is, uh, and I mean, I'm totally guilty of that too, for sure. Like I'm sure we all are, but um, I've say, I think the opposite, I think it's got, I think that that was much worse when I was younger. I think that like, really, you only got an insight into, I mean, you know, I was like, I was conceiving this stuff in the 80s, really, like uh, 80s and early 90s, and you only got given very specific artists. And like, you know, I, I mentioned Cronenberg because like I would buy whole magazines and it would just be about him and like his way of making films and blah, 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 or like Clive Barker and his way of whatever. And so we got like a very, very curated version of a very small number of people and people would want to be like Stanley Kubrick or men, 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 or men. Right. And they would have like a very specific... Actually, I think that now there's a much broad, like we can draw on much, much, broader influences and i think like people are a bit more humanized now even though we are really dehumanized like i think that people appreciate a little bit more that um that these are real people making things and not right. like, you know they're not it's not some abstract god somewhere in hollywood because you were given such a narrow view of what those people were doing now you know more about their personal life and their foibles and they're like you know what they do wrong or, or, or whatever for better right. or for worse. i think it's humanized people a bit more it definitely has i think maybe we're almost desensitized uh about learning more about people's lives like i think idolization is, is like maybe like a human instinct that has transcended throughout the ages um, but that now our relationship with oh i know that this guy cheated on his wife and like he's a shitty guy Right. Like uh, we've been desensitized to that to some degree where we can still idolize people who might not, who might be imperfect, but we do have a lot more information. Like I was thinking about what you were saying in terms of reading magazine articles and growing up. Yeah. That's, that is all like, even in, right. in our generation, that's what we, like we had spin and right. pitchfork once the internet, you know, it's just like we had these very, and like, I think those articles actually meant a lot more then cause it was like, Oh, there's a piece coming out about me. It's gotta, it's gotta be right. It's almost like it was almost like releasing new work, which I mean, obviously right, people still right. care about that now. But there's there's a bigger yeah. It was like it was an artist one shot to like paint their persona was this uh, feature they were doing. They couldn't then go to Twitter and continue to curate their persona. So right, it was more affected. Yeah, right. That's true. Yeah, I never thought about that. And do you, do you go for it? I was just gonna say the smartest people now you're either really, really on top of it and you have an amazing online, like social media game or you're n off it completely. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't, I don't think there's any middle ground. It's like you were saying about those shitty film Instagrams, like it just don't fucking bother. Like either do it really, like master it and do it amazingly well or just completely don't do it at all. I think there's like no middle ground. Yeah, so I, what, agree. I agree. I um, agree. 
I, I've lost it, but big shouts to, to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, um, yeah, it's weird, especially because the two of us are not that much of, uh, we don't have much social media presence outside of the Island Pack, I think. It's the first time we've yeah. been, I, I, was, I was saying this to someone last night, I was like, this is the most fun the internet has been to me since like the, the late aughts blog era. Because once you embrace Instagram as like a less, you know, self-serious kind of curatorial, like it's kind of like I feel like the end of MySpace started to get into this. Like I'm adding this song to my profile. And I'm creating yeah. This it's like when you not, don't think of it as this like mood board curated thing, and it becomes and if this you're like having chaotic playground, like a blog yeah. way where it's just some like onslaught of like sick shit to engage with. That that's I mean that's sort of like where the world's at. Yeah. Um making an anonymous meme account is mad fun <laughs> highly recommended <laughs> <laughs> don't screenshot us <laughs> that was a that was a mosquito i just killed <laughs> no i know i'm just saying because this is the first time we've turned our camera on really i feel i feel privileged because actually like, i have i mean i have no idea who you, who you guys are still yeah, not that it means anything to you yeah, yeah it's just now that we were doing in-person pods i think the dynamics way better when everyone can see each other personally so yeah he's he's big into like dude turn the camera on. yeah it's like the it flows way better in my opinion yeah it's less weird for you right Maybe. i feel like you you definitely feel like you No, but he enjoys the you don't you don't, you don't want to talk to the blank screen though no i i, yeah. I hate phone calls as well I'm really like I'm. I, I'm very. I could sense that from you, and that's why I wanted to turn the camera. On. Thanks, guys. Thank yeah. you so much. Um. Okay. One. One question, though, bringing it back to what you said at the very beginning. I don't know if you can say, but speaking of shadow banned slash canceled, why did the U.S. government cancel you? Why did the U.S. government? Why are you banned from the U.S.? Can you elaborate? Um, Mm. How many people listen to your podcast? <laughs> no, just, just us. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, say what you can. We can, we, we, we can cut it out. Yeah, if you want, want us to cut, cut it out, out, we cut it out. Well, I mean, I was basically like, I was a very, it's multiple, quite minor felonies. Like, <laughs> but I guess over a certain number, you just get banned for life from the US. I think it's over three or if you're in prison for more than a year and a half, something like that. And I was therefore banned for life. And um, yeah, I was, it was like, hmm, it was all kind of just badly behaved young person stuff. There's nothing, there was nothing like gross in there. Right. It's like, oh fuck, whatever, drugs and weapons stuff. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it was. Um, right. But like, <clears throat> Yeah, I guess the f not being allowed because I love. I used to. My father's a pilot. I used to go to America all the time when I was a kid. I absolutely loved it. Not being allowed to go, I, like it sucked because, like, for all its faults, the US is fucking amazing. And like people, are, like that's why it's quite depressing. Like the way it's going at the moment yeah. in various areas. Like it's a fucking amazing place, and amazing things come out of it. And I think people are a bit too like. People are too quick to forget how much good shit comes out of America. Do you know what I mean? It's like uh, totally. Um, and I'm I'm not like you know. I think it's so shallow to be anti a nation, any nation at all. Yeah, I, yeah. Being, being allowed back there, like when I first went back to LA last like two years ago, I was just like, oh yeah, I, I fucking love this place. Like it's it's all of humanity in a country. Like really, and I remember in the 80s, like used to get things like Geraldo Rivera 
and just like the maddest shit about Satanist white power skinhead fucking. And, and I used to just think this place is amazing. And then it went boring. And then the last few years, it's just been like, nope, it's next level amazing. It's <laughs> That's amazing. So, yeah, big shouts to the US of A. Yeah. We're, well big, we're big on America here. Yeah, we love it here. <laughs> um, I mean, we love it across the pond too. Big shouts. <laughs> um, but yeah, well, okay. So, do you want to plug the uh, plug the movie one? So, Spectacular Reality is out um, Monday. The what is it? The second. Yeah. Monday the second. Yeah. Um, it's going to be on YouTube. Um, you can look on the No Agency YouTube, or you can follow my Instagram at Ben underscore Ditto. You have to type the whole thing in because I'm shadow banned. <laughs> and if you can't find me, go via my cat's Instagram, and you can find me there. So yeah, um, it's going to be promoted everywhere. It's free to watch. You don't have to subscribe to anything to see it. Yeah. We we might even make the screening if we leave right now. Oh yeah, we're going to try to go make the screening right now. Oh, cool. Yeah, I think yeah. you do. They're going to like wave me on a phone at the, the people to say thanks. Oh, cool. Yeah, sick. Uh, ben Ditto. Ben Ditto, I am Pod. No agency. Thanks for coming on. Big shouts. Thank you very much for asking yeah. me. It's been really nice to speak to you. Yeah, this was great. Thanks, man. Big shouts. Take care. Bye.